What's going on, everyone? If you listen to episode one of Red Zone Talk, welcome back. This is your first time here. Then welcome uh, to a podcast about all things NFL. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Paul Solano. Um, and really excited uh, this week to not only talk about week two of the NFL preseason in episode two, but to also cover the AFC and NFC North um, and pre- uh, predictions slash also the best offseason moves made uh, for all eight teams in those two divisions. So really excited um, to do that, along with bringing my special guest, um, who's going to be coming later on in the show to uh, to cover ultimately um, the AFC and NFC North. So... Um, so first, just like we started last week, we'll go through, um, talk a little bit about the recent news, and there is a lot more uh, just NFL news in general this week, along with a lot of preseason stuff. Um, and as we speak and as I'm recording this, I'm actually watching the Ravens and Commanders game. Um, so if I'm like spitting anything off or giving real, um, real like real time takes. Um, obviously there hasn't been any time to marinate on some of them as I'm literally watching the game and might be, uh, just talking about how I feel as we're, as I'm watching. So it's still relatively early in the game. Both teams have just, uh, uh, have just went down driven scored. So it's seven, three Ravens right now, just as you, um, as you might be listening back and understanding where I am watching this game. Um, so let's get into it. Let's start with some of the NFL news, and really let's start off with arguably the biggest and most recent news. That is that uh, Indianapolis Colts have uh, given permission for star running back Jonathan Taylor to seek out a trade. Uh, This has been in a running back market that is very messy. Uh, This has been the messiest um, probably situation of them all. Um, Obviously, we've seen Saquon Barkley who threatened to hold out and they ended up negotiating a slightly um, better deal for him on the franchise tag. There are now rumors of Josh Jacobs uh, willing to report uh, soon in preparation for week one. Um, but there really hasn't been any movement on what's going on with Jonathan Taylor. Um, there was maybe some movement that he might be reporting back to the team, but he's still kind of dealing with the ankle injury that he was dealing with last uh, season. Don't know if that is maybe something that's being talked about a little bit more from his side of things just to get out of Indianapolis. We've seen that before where players kind of uh, maybe use a quote-unquote injury in order to push themselves out. So who knows? But it's just been a really messy situation. And the Colts, um, despite originally saying, hey, we're not trading Jonathan Taylor, now um, they have let him seek permission to pursue a trade. Now, that doesn't mean a trade will occur. Um, according to sources, the Colts are looking for at least a first-round pick or a package that is equivalent of a first-round pick. And in this um, running back market, a first-round pick for not only just a running back, but also a running back that you have to pay is a very steep price. I mean, we see teams are pretty reluctant to pay their running backs, let alone also give up first-round draft capital. Um, So, bit of a messy situation. And, of course, that brings up 
Well, then who realistically is a potential suitor? Um, I know it's been reported that the Miami Dolphins will inquire. um, And personally, I don't think it's worth it for them. I mean, I kind of understand like maybe the thought process of, hey, they have a win now team. um, And you would have a obviously really good, very much improved running game. However, they did just go ahead and... um, and draft in the third round, uh, Devon Achaney. Uh, Achaney. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Um, but they did go ahead and draft a running back, and not only draft a running back, probably like the best fit of a running back. Um, Devon Achain um, is a speedster out of Texas A&M. And actually, before even this podcast came out, like I. I always do mock drafts, and you guys will see with the podcast this upcoming year that I'll have mock draft. Um, and now looking just on Google, I see that he's week to week with a sol- shoulder injury, which was part of one of the news that I was going to talk about um, as some of the preseason things that was going on. Uh, good to see that it's only week to week and not a major, um, not a major injury. So that's good. But my point is, is he's a speedster. He's got the home run speed that is needed for that Miami Dolphins offense. I don't really think bringing in a Jonathan Taylor necessarily makes sense given that you went and got that player. Um, there's really three teams that makes the most sense. Um, and I know this sounds so basic, I nor- but I, I really can't see any other teams that it makes sense for. Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills, Philadelphia Eagles. The Chiefs, it makes sense because their wide receiver core is extremely unproven. Um, even if you feel good about one guy, it's very unproven. Um, despite them having spent a lot of assets to go trade for Kadarius Tony, spend a second round pick on Sky Moore, spend a second round pick on Rasheed Rice. Um, this offense we remember back early on in Mahomes' career when Kareem Hunt was at his peak uh, felt unstoppable and it still feels unstoppable with Mahomes but it it would get to the point where they're more balanced again um this is probably the team like out of the three though that least needs to make this move the next team is the Philadelphia Eagles why I think it makes a lot of sense um and you'll as we talk about the Eagles in a future episode you'll kind of know how I feel about Jalen Hurts. I like Jalen Hurts. I think he's a a really good player. I just need to see another year of him. I feel like the offense that Shane uh, Steichen put into or implemented in Philadelphia was very friendly to him, very friendly where they could run the game, uh, run the ball really effectively. And obviously Shane Steichen is gone. Miles Sanders is gone. I really like Rashad Penny, um, but obviously there's injury concern there. There is a little concern, too, just of how how he will bounce back from his injury, which we've kind of seen in the preseason. Jonathan Taylor kind of avoids that. Um, And Howie Roseman's really good at just making those uh, necessary moves to keep his team a championship-caliber team. Um, So if there's a—like, I would understand completely why the Eagles would go and pay Jonathan Taylor. It would basically say to Rashad Penny, hey, we don't need you. They cut him and— you know, he tests the free agent market right before the season. Uh, DeAndre Swift could be that change of back, pass catching back. Um, and same thing with Kenneth Gainwell. But pretty much you have – Jonathan Taylor would take the bulk of, of everything. Um, but I want one of the best offensive lines in the league. 
The best fit, however, to me is the Buffalo Bills. And the reason why I say this, um, the Bills are an aging team. Like, if you look at their roster, they're getting up there in age. Um, obviously not Josh Allen, but the defense is pretty old. Um, you look at guys like Tredavious White, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, Von Miller. Like, they're older guys. Um, you look on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, yes, Josh Allen's young, Gabe Davis, but, like, your number one Stephon Diggs, like, he's getting up there. You know, you, you're you in a window that you have, like, you have to win within. And there's been a lot of conversation of, like, okay, we, w- we want Josh Allen to take less hits. We want him to uh, want the offense to be a little bit more balanced. And what better way to do that than trade for a top five running back? Um, obviously... Easier said than done, but I I think that is the landing spot that makes makes the most sense because, A, it brings some youth back. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is only 24 years old. So even in terms of running back years, um, he is not old by any means. Um, So he kind of fits the window really well. Like He's not going to be 25 until next January. so he kind of fits that window pretty perfectly with with ultimately the window that the Bills are in to win. So um, we'll see what happens. If you ask me today, I don't think a trade occurs just with the asking price. Um, I just think a first-round pick is way too steep. I think if a trade occurs, it's probably going to be a day-two pick. Um, and that's a big if. I think teams are obviously going to be worried about the ankle and so there's a little bit more question marks, and um, we'll see, we'll see. But that's my opinions on just some of the uh, some of the options that uh, might seek out Jonathan Taylor. Uh, in further news, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer wide receiver Russell Gage will miss the entire 2023 season due to a knee injury, which is brutal. Um, Russell Gage definitely didn't have the season he probably would have hoped for in 2022. Um, had a really good 2021 campaign with the Falcons. Um, kind of was yeah, dealing with some injuries last year. Obviously dealt with a really freaky one um, in the wild card game, which I was there for and really freaky injury and then just really sucks when you you know you finally feel like you're in for a bounce back year and then a knee injury so Russell Gage will not be returning until the 2024 season uh kind of lined up really well with the AFC North conversation but uh Baltimore Ravens star cornerback Marlon Humphrey is expected to miss time with an injury that requires medical procedure um not really sure what that means, but he is expected to miss the first few weeks of the season, which um, it feels like this Ravens defense is just never able to catch a break. feels like the last few years, obviously there was that one year where they were just dealing with so many injuries. Um, it just feels like they always are year after year. There's just an, they, they just can't catch a break. They can't be fully healthy. Um, and obviously losing Marlon Humphrey, your top corner is, um, it's not ideal. So, um, but hopefully that, that, you know, timeline might be shrunk, shrunk a little bit more as we get closer to the season over down South to the Tennessee Titans, uh, wide receiver Traylon Burks. He was carted off at, uh, at practice, suffered an LCL sprain and will miss a few weeks of camp. Obviously I'm sure the hope is that he will be there for the start of the season. Um, and I'm sure Titan fans hope that cause that would be a huge loss for a guy who is really expected to take the next step and, um, 
and become that wide receiver one over in Tennessee. Another receiver, and we're going to talk about this team later too, is Lions wide receiver Jamison Williams. Uh, he's going to be held out the rest of the preseason with a hamstring. Um, and yes, I so there's been a lot of questions about like, should you be concerned with Jamison Williams? And I really wasn't like last year. Obviously, he was overcoming uh, the major injury he had at Alabama, which the Lions knew when they took him. Then he gets suspended for six games for sports betting, which I wasn't overly concerned about. But now just dealing with more injuries, I mean, you obviously it's still way too early to call him a bust. He really hasn't had a fair shake on the field, but it it's it's hard to really give him the benefit of the doubt until he can get on the field consistently. And it's a shame because I was very high on Jamison Williams out of the 2022 draft. He was my number one wide receiver. That's how high I was on him. I had him ranked over Drake London, over Garrett Wilson. I mean, I thought that Jamison Williams could be a bigger version of Tyreek Hill. I mean, he has the in-game speed. He's a very explosive wide receiver. I mean, he's got true number one potential. Um, that is hard to think and feel that way, though, now with, you know, obviously a good chunk of time passing where he's going to not play football and the injuries he's dealing with. So, I mean, I'm obviously rooting for him. I was a big fan of his at, coming out of Alabama. Um, but there's definitely got to be some concern over – what kind of player is he going to become? Is he going to actually be able to live up to the expectations of a first-round pick? Um, we will see. Um, more Lions news. Uh, they recently traded uh, for Denzel Mims, former Jets wide receiver. Um, and if you remember, it was a, I believe it was a conditional sixth-round pick. Um, that was the trade. They ended up waiving Denzel Mims um, due to a practice ankle injury that led to a calf injury in rehab. That's a mouthful to say. Um, basically what ends up happening as far as the trade goes is the Jets get nothing because Denzel Mims needed to make the roster in order um, to get the draft pick. Um, and it's kind of unfortunate. I, as a Dallas Cowboy fan, really wanted the Cowboys to go after Denzel Mims. Um, I really hope once he gets healthy that the Cowboys do pursue him um, because I, re I really do think he's one of those players that Unfortunately, he just got stuck on a really bad offense behind a coaching staff that just could not figure it out for him. Um, so I hope he gets healthy soon. I'm still a big fan of his. Not that I think he could ever live up to the second-round pick um, expectations that he had, but I think he could be a serious contributor in the league um, as like a number three type receiver one day. So hoping he uh, gets healthy soon. I didn't realize how much like AFC, NFC North just news I had because the next piece of news goes back to the Baltimore Ravens. They have signed just Jadavian Clowney. Um, it feels like I don't remember the last time or if Jadavian Clowney in his career has ever had a multi-year deal. I feel like this dude is always a free agent. Um, obviously, at this point in his career, pretty solid pass rusher. Um, better, uh, better as a run stopper than necessarily – getting to the quarterback at this point in camp, pretty, you know, pretty solid signing for the Ravens that continue to bolster up and try to have that defense that they once had. Um, obviously as long as they can stay healthy. So, um, so yeah, not much to say there. Pretty good move for the Ravens. And, um, you know, we'll get to talk about them a little bit later on in the show as well. 
Going down to the NFC South, um, which teaser, we will be talking about NFC AFC South next week. Uh, the New Orleans Saints tight end, new tight end, Jimmy Graham, was arrested for acting erratically in public in South Car- California. The report actually further came out is that they were actually seeing symptoms of a seizure. Um, so really, you know, wish him the best for Jimmy Graham. Really hope all is okay um, and whatever, you know. You know, obviously football is kind of irrelevant at this point. He, you know, hoping he just gets the help he needs, um, and and hope that all all is well on that front. Lastly, uh, the Carolina Panthers are adding to their secondary. They've signed uh, former Los Angeles Rams cornerback Troy Hill as they continue to um, to to build upon uh, that young team. I feel like the and we'll talk about this next week. I feel like the Panthers are like a team that's kind of been ignored because the NFC South, and I don't want to talk about this too much because I'll have next week to talk about it, but they're not a great division. And yes, I don't think the Panthers have a great offense, but I do think that like with some of the weapons they have, I I wouldn't be surprised if they compete for the NFC South. I know everyone's kind of like Saints, 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 but don't be surprised if the Carolina Panthers are are hanging in there. The fact that they were able to compete last year with a revolving door at quarterback um, lost their best corner back in J.C. Horn. I mean, don't be surprised. But now let's go over and let's talk about preseason, preseason week two. And I want to bring this up, and I find this funny because I had a friend tell me that preseason doesn't matter. And Mike, if you're listening, this is for you, buddy. Uh, the reason why I think preseason is so important is a, if you're like me and you are a, um, NFL draft junkie, this is a time where you, you're pretty much guaranteed to see all these young guys play. Um, and obviously that the way they translate, they could ball out in preseason and doesn't happen in the regular season, vice versa as well. Um, it's just good to see. It's good to see. And it's good to see some of these guys lower on the depth chart kind of like show out what they can provide. And then guys that are on the cusp of making the 53-man roster, I mean, this is big for them too. So I just wanted to throw that out there. And I felt like th- this week in preseason we got to see a lot more. Of, I know last week we were talking about like, you know, backup quarterbacks and whatnot. Um, this time we got a lot more from rookies. And so, yeah. So let me start off with um, maybe the scariest piece of news, but, you know, things are kind of sounding better on um, on this end as time has passed. Uh, the Patriots and Packers game um, was canceled in the fourth quarter due to a scary injury involving a head-to-head collision involving Isaiah Bolden. Uh, he was sent to the hospital. Luckily, he ended up being released uh, Sunday morning um, and hearing that he's doing pretty well after uh, what was a really scary situation, um, you know, shout out to both those head coaches for making the right decision and stopping the game then. And also just happy to hear Isaiah Bolden's doing really well. I am I think after everything that happened with DeMar Hamlin, it's just a little sensitive when you depend, you know, the way you might see certain players react um, on the field. So, but happy to hear that things are doing pretty well. Now on the football play side, uh, we'll start at the beginning of the week uh, with the New York football giants. Um, Daniel Jones, he had a near-perfect outing. Um, so the question, is he ready to take the next step? Um, my Giants fan, my Giants friends are going to kill me. 
Um, and so is, uh, so is Brad when he gets on the podcast. So, and I'll talk about this when we get into our NFC East. Uh, Daniel Jones did play pretty well. Um, but I watched back everything on the drive where he played and I think more of the, in more of the feedback that I would give after watching that drive is, I mean, Daniel Jones looked fine. He didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. I think the play calling, like, just continues to fit the talent that they have perfectly. Like, um, like Mike Kafka and Brian Dable, like, they do a fantastic job of calling an offense that just fits um, Daniel Jones' strengths, which is kind of like those short and intermediate throws, uh, limited, not many passes downfield. Um so he did look good. He, you know, he's getting the ball to Darren Waller, which is what you want to see. That's what you brought him in for. But I don't think anything necessarily special was shown in that. I think if I'm a Giants fan, I want to see a little bit more, you know, how Daniel Jones taking a little bit more risks in the preseason. I mean, you've got nothing to lose. Um, I don't think he's going to play this upcoming weekend. So kind of a, kind of irrelevant um, there. But um, but yeah. And by the way, I I thought I wrote this down, but I can't find it now. Um, Aaron Rodgers is going to get his first start this upcoming week against the New York Giants in the preseason. So uh, so that'll be pretty cool. But that anyway, that's how I felt felt about Daniel Jones. Played well, but like I said, I'm not necessarily like like some people are you know ready to call him a top ten quarterback and all that. I'm not ready to do that. I. We'll eventually get into my quarterback ranking, but I do I have him pretty far from my top ten. Uh next quarterback I wanted to uh talk about CJ Stroud, Houston Texans rookie quarterback. He, on the other hand, um had a much better performance following what was a pretty rusty first uh per- first performance um against the Patriots in the first preseason game. Uh they A, they took him out of the game just way too soon, so he didn't really get a chance to get comfortable. Um, however, against the Dolphin, and I, th- I think it was the Patriots. I'm like 99% sure it was the Patriots. It was, um, they gave a little, they, you know, TJ Strzok got a little bit more time. He was seven for 12, 60 yards. I know the stats don't show, but he looked a lot more comfortable. Hang, uh, hung in the pocket a little bit better, had some more, um, more velocity on his ball. Just look. Seemed more comfortable, and that that's the type of thing you want to see from a rookie quarterback in the preseason. Um, other quarterbacks, Jordan Love of the Green Bay Packers, he is starting to also look uh, more comfortable, taking some shots, kind of spreading the field. And I, I think we'll talk about this later in the show. Green Bay might surprise some people. I mean, it all is going to fall at the uh, at the feet of Jordan Love. But, I mean, he looked pretty good. Five for eight, 84 yards, a touchdown. He was spread in the field, had a touchdown pass to Jaden Reed, um, had a nice throw to Romeo Dobbs. I mean, they got they got a nice little, nice little team, nice little offense out there. Um, I know everyone kind of, like, knocks them saying that Aaron Rodgers had no weapons last year. I disagree. They were just young weapons, and now uh, they added – some more weapons, so intrigued to see how Jordan Love looks this season, but he had a pretty good outing this past weekend. Um, now let's jump over, or sorry, I have one more quarterback that I wanted to highlight is 
Uh, really, the guy who seems to be the star of the preseason is uh, Aiden O'Connell, the um, fourth-round pick for the Las Vegas Raiders. He has been balling out. He looks poised. He looks extremely comfortable. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of him coming out of Purdue, but you, I mean, this past week against the Raiders, he was 11 for 18, 163 yards, two touchdowns. That came after a really good performance last week as well. Um, obviously he's going to, he's fighting for the backup job, which I, I would assume he probably wins. He's starting to look like a guy who could be a future starting quarterback. Um, Maybe not a good one, but he, he looks really good right now. Um, seems to fit that Josh McDaniels offense as well. Um, all I'm saying is, like, keep an eye. That, that's a guy like Ian O'Connell. Like, those are the guys that you get excited about in preseason because he could be someone that we kind of look back at this and we're like, okay. So that's why someone was interested in making him their starter or whatever. Um, and Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, he's got a lengthy injury history. So if you're a Raiders fan, you got to at least feel pretty good that your, uh, your fourth string, your fourth string, your fourth round quarterback is showing some promise, um, in the preseason. Now let's get over to some running back news. Uh, Jaguars, they got a good thing at running back tanks, big speed. He looks like he's going to cut into Travis Etienne's role. He rushed for 70 yards on 13 carries this past weekend, um, I he's going to be a good player. Um, if you're a fantasy football fan, you might not want to love Travis Etienne as much as you might have last year. Because uh, while I don't think Tank Bigsby is obviously going to take over as the starting running back, I wouldn't be surprised if this is like a 60-40 split, um, which is enough for Bigsby to have a pretty big role, especially uh, within, you know, within the five-yard line. Uh, other running backs, Rashawn Johnson continues to look really well, um, continue to improve. That's why I know there's some conversations about like maybe the Bears show interest in Jonathan Taylor. I don't think it makes any ounce of sense because I think Khalil Herbert's a pretty good back. You have Deontay Foreman who played really well last year, and now you have Rashawn Johnson who's been running the ball really well this uh, preseason. I would stick with the young guys and uh, keep your draft picks. That way, just in case Justin Fields doesn't pan out next uh, this year, you uh, you have the draft capital to potentially go after Caleb Williams. And last running back to cover, uh, Kendra Miller, a week after suffering an injury and didn't even look like he was going to be playing after a knee injury. Um, he had a really nice diving catch. Uh, I think he ended up having three catches yesterday and, uh, a, a rushing touchdown as well. So, uh, as a fantasy owner of Kendry Miller, I'm definitely excited. Um, they're another team that I don't think would have interest in Jonathan Taylor because between Kamara, Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller, um, I think Kendra Miller could truly be a workhorse back, um, in the future. I mean, he's going to be good. Obviously the stats don't look great, but, Keep in mind, these guys are going behind, you know, running the ball behind second, third string offensive linemen. So, um, but it's good to get excited about, you know, the, the standout plays that they're showing. Now over to the wide receivers. Uh, so I talked about how Russell Gage um, suffered a knee injury and he is now out for the season. Um, that 
opens up a spot for someone to take over and Trey Palmer of the Tampa Bay Bucks. He looks like a guy who uh, could be doing that. He had another really nice touchdown grab this weekend. He's had a really good camp, according to all reports that I've seen. Um, guy who is a 1,000-yard receiver, sixth-round pick. I mean, he could be something. I think a lot of um, – a lot of – oh, that was a really weird interception. Josh Johnson, he just flung that ball. It looked like it was going to be a touchdown for a second, and it got picked off. That was – I don't think I've seen something like that before. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I got distracted, but I think Trey Palmer could be a, a you know pretty good option for the for the Bucks, and I think especially in twenty twenty four, if um, you know, obviously Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask don't work out, that rookie quarterback could be going a really good spot in Tampa. And just that earlier as I was watching this Ravens-Commanders game, uh, Zay Flowers, he already had two catches, really nice touchdown. Um, I know some people were worried because he was coming from Boston College. Uh, Zay Flowers was my number two wide receiver out of this class. I'm a big fan of his. I think he's electric after the catch. Um, very shifty. I don't. I haven't seen many receivers that move like him. Um he looks good. I think he's going to be a really good fit with Lamar Jackson. And uh, our special guest is a Ravens fan, so I'm sure we'll get more of that later on in the show. Um, and really the last piece of preseason news, which this is depressing for me to talk about, um, the Cowboys continue to um, just face unlucky injuries when they head to Seattle for preseason games. Um Back in 2016, Tony Romo, he suffered a, what ended up being a career-ending injury in Seattle um, in the preseason. Well, uh, Saturday night, they had re- two promising players um, tear their ACLs and go out for the season. Um, the most notable one is third-round pick out of Texas, DeMarvian Overshawn. Um, this was a guy who was standing out in camp, provides, just has immense athleticism, um, extremely athletic, extremely versatile, fits really well with a guy like Dan Quinn. Um, And now the sucky thing is he may never play for Dan Quinn, pending, you know, what might happen in the future with Dan Quinn um, and his future in Dallas. But um, real bummer. When you look at the Cowboys draft class, I mean, I think Overshawn was a clear, like if you were going to pick someone who was going to produce day one, it was him. So really unfortunate to see him uh, tear his ACL. Another one is tight end John Stevens. Um, And he was competing for the third string tight end position. And I know what you're probably saying is like, Paul, who cares about the third string tight end position? Uh, In Dallas, they do. We do care. And why is that? Because the Cowboys, they use three tight ends uh, a lot, actually, uh, between last year, Dalton Schultz, Jake Ferguson, and Peyton Hendershot. I mean... They they all played a pretty big impact. So that third tight end, he was getting on the field a lot. And John Stevens was really pushing uh, Peyton Hendershot, at, uh, potentially pushing him out of a, of a job in 2023. So it's really unfortunate to see him also tear his ACL. Two promising rookies um, that their rookie seasons, they'll not, you know, they won't even have the opportunity to play. So, um Please, to the NFL, please stop scheduling the Dallas Cowboys to play a preseason game in Seattle. Uh, We would really appreciate it. 
So, um, but anyways, that's it for the preseason notes. Um, we're going to take a short break, going to come back with a special guest, and uh, then it'll be time. Talks uh, our favorite moves from the AFC and NFC North from this offseason. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Red Zone Talk. Before I uh, introduce our next guest of the week, um, want to kind of rehab or recap just what's going on in this Ravens Commanders game. Um, it's actually an exciting offensive battle, uh, which is unusual for preseason. Got Josh Johnson, who's dealing against the Commanders defense, and also Sam Howell. Uh, looks like a guy who should not have been uh, drafted in the fifth round. Um, he's been uh, having a really good game, really good velocity on his ball, really good um, making really good decisions. Honestly, the only real weakness I see in his game right now is just the fact that his pocket awareness is atrocious. But um, other than that, Commanders fans should have a lot to be excited about for a fifth round pick. I mean, he looks pretty good. Uh, Terry McLaurin, um, unfortunately, seemed to suffer an ankle injury. He's being looked at um, in the locker room. And then really since McLaurin went to the locker room, Jahan Dotson has been kind of erupting um, today. With He's probably got five or six grabs already. So um, just to kind of give some more uh, notes on week two of the preseason as I'm watching this game, wanted to give that. But um Back to and really to our main topic of today, we are covering AFC and NFC North uh, predictions. And uh, I want to introduce uh, special guest Gabe. Gabe, welcome to the show. Feel free to introduce yourself. Thank you, man. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on. Uh, yeah, my name is Gabe, Gabriel Pevador, if you want to know. Uh, big time Ravens fan. So very excited to be on board here today. And Gabe, just on the Zoom, just go ahead and mute yourself, buddy. Perfect. Just because I can hear the... Uh, but uh, Gabe, happy, happy to have you on. Happy to talk um, the AFC and NFC North. And you're a Ravens fan, right? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. So just talk to us a little bit how you became a Ravens fan. Maybe your favorite player. Um, maybe a little bit unconventional on my end because so I'm actually originally from Brazil. Um, so when we uh, first came here to the U.S., um, we lived in Massachusetts for a couple of years. So I became a fan of all the Boston teams. But for some reason, I just never really got myself into football. So I never really had much of a care for the Patriots. Um, and then I think I want to say about fourth or fifth grade, uh, my best friend, uh, he's actually from Baltimore, invited me over. Um, and it was a Raven Steelers game on a Sunday. Um, and so I was basically there. He had family over. He had uncles, cousins. They were all big Ravens fans. And so I just kind of, you know, became a fan of the team through that. But, yeah, I actually did not like football at all as, as a kid. So, that, you know, that it was really it was really mainly because of that that I became a Ravens fan. Funny enough. Listen, man, that's an awesome. So I feel like most people don't have that good of a story. Like, I feel like and I could see that like you're kind of like in that emotion, like everyone's rooting for one team. And especially right. if you have no stakes in the sport, that kind of like drives you into it so that i think that's pretty cool i i feel like that's the best story i've heard rather than hey i grew up in new york i'm a giants fan i mean i'm only a cowboy fan because my dad was a front runner fan in the 90s oh back and, in the 90s yep yep yeah and i just sense. got stuck with uh this kind of nightmare that's been the last 26 years <laughs> but um but so that's cool that's cool um so obviously or have you on uh perfect timing for afc and nfc north um and really what we're going to do, kind of like last week, if you guys had listened, um, we're going to really talk about our favorite moves from the AFC, every AFC and NFC North team, along with just like generally like how do we feel about that team's offseason. Then we'll give some 
some division picks, um, you know, after we talk about those, uh, about these divisions. So we're going to start with the AFC North. Um, and we have to start with the defending chance, the Cincinnati Bengals. So Gabe, I'm going to put the ball in your court. What was your favorite Bengals offseason move? Um, I'm going to kind of parlay into two. If, if I know it might be a little bit cheating here, but uh, I thought upgrades on the offensive line were just massively important for this team. Um, so I think the additions, both with Orlando Brown, obviously coming over from Kansas City, in addition with also Cody Ford, too. Um, just adding a little bit more steel, a little bit more experience into that line. Um, I think that's going to be a big help for them because we've seen many times, particularly in the postseason, where uh, Cincinnati can be a little bit more immune to pressure, um, particularly for teams with you know good pass rushers. Um, so I, I do think that the two additions on the offensive line are probably the ones that stand out for me. Other than that, the team, for the most part, is kind of bringing back the same roster they had from last year. And obviously, like you said, they won the division. So I, I very much expect them to be incredibly competitive this year as well. For sure, for sure. And you you pretty much, I mean, I also have Orlando Brown. I think this is a team that you're right. Um, the the O-line has kind of been the Achilles heel when it comes to the playoffs for them. Um, not all the time, but I mean, it, it's something that is definitely, uh, they've needed a boost. And I'm not the biggest Orlando Brown fan either. Um, however, in terms of just what was available in the free agent market, um, Definitely a move that was needed. I think when you look at, especially right tackle, um, where Orlando Brown now, I don't know if he'll play left or right tackle, um, but I know at right tackle they had Lel Collins, former Cowboy, who who was not reliable for them, um, despite being a really good right tackle in Dallas, um, kind of suffered some injuries just from being really unusual in football, but just like. Um, overweight, which you, you never really hear of as like a, as an issue for NFL players, but kind of an issue for him. Um, and they, they invested into, you know, into an offensive tackle, didn't really get what they were hoping for. So I'm um, going out, getting a guy like Orlando Brown, a seasoned veteran, um, even if it's not, you know, he's probably not even a top 10 offensive tackle in football, but getting a top 15, top 20 type guy, um, that can give you some stability uh, on the offensive line. And you're right, really just their, their whole, um, their whole off season, the focus is really just keep the team together on, um, you know, they, they, I'm trying to like pull up their, their draft again. I don't remember being really blown away by it to really love like a door, anything they've done. I mean, I feel like they've already had a pretty good, um, they had a really good defense, you know, last year. They keep, you know, pretty much everyone as is. So um, the thing they're going to be right in the right in the, the midst of everything again. For sure. And the thing with teams like Cincinnati, who have been successful over the past couple of years, is when you do have so much um, talent already on your roster, you, you're afforded a little bit more flexibility to take some risks in the draft, maybe take some more high ceiling guys who maybe haven't proven as much. Um, so I'm with you in terms of not any one particular pick, you know, being a standout in terms of from their draft. Um, but I do think their focus was mainly just trying to hit on the guys that you can get, um, maybe taking being a little bit more open to taking flyers on some guys who you think that maybe have um, some more high end potential um, than you would see. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, first round pick Miles Murphy out of Clemson. I feel like that's kind of an example of that mm-hmm. uh, I, kind of a player where it was like, depending on who you talk to, they had to completely like various different opinions of him. Um, but a high motor guy, a guy with high potential, but maybe a, a lower, um, a lower, 
floor per mm-hmm. se, but a, you're right. A team like that can take that risk because they don't necessarily need that per player to come in day one and, um, and provide that production. So let's go over, uh, cause obviously not as interesting to talk about a team that already made the AFC championships game. Let's go down to your Baltimore Ravens. Um, your, your favorite, uh, off season move for the Ravens. Um, probably the sexy pick, but it is going to be Odell. Um, I obviously know that he has had the injury issues, but I think for this particular Ravens offense, particularly now with Todd Monken coming in, um, I just think that there has been such a lack of emphasis on adding receiver talent over the past couple of years. Um, and even if you're able to get 70% of the production that you would think from Odell, that's a massive upgrade over anything that Baltimore has had over the past couple of years. Um, you think about the addition of Zay Flowers as well in the draft, um, which, you know, kind of similar to what you said earlier depending on who you ask some people think that he's just kind of going to be a quick slot guy that brings in some people think he's actually going to be an upgrade on hollywood brown um so really that's something to see obviously he scored a touchdown today i saw um yeah. in the preseason game against the commanders so um you know good opening sign but i just think that odell with his ability to stretch the field um he's going to be able to complement some of the other guys it's going to leave the middle of the field more open for mark andrews for Zay flowers for rashad bateman hopefully he comes back healthy as well um, but I just think that when you have a player who the defense has to game plan against um, week in, week out, I don't think that's a player that the Baltimore Ravens have really had over the past couple of seasons outside of Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, obviously. So I, th- I think the addition of him is, is going to be really helpful for this offense. Yeah, and that's a good point. I, I for one, I don't want to say I'm not a fan of the OBJ signing because that I would be lying. I'm not a fan of the. I'm not a fan of the contract that was given. The contract is um, definitely high. I think I think yeah. the fact that it's one year probably gives you a little bit more flexibility. So Absolutely. But yeah, no, it was definitely a much higher number than I anticipated him coming into. But I think it, it really seemed they were betting against the Jets as well. And he's obviously good friends with Aaron Rodgers. So I think they might have maybe felt a need that they had to overpay to get a guy like him in. Um, but but no, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that too. The contract was definitely a bit higher than I expected it to be. So. Yeah, and, and I mean, also, you know, kind of looking back, I think that deal was signed in, uh, it was right before the draft in April. At that time, Lamar had not signed his extension yet. So, I, like I have to, have to say, I don't like the contract. I understand it, though. It's like you're trying to prove to, you know, your franchise quarterback who had a really interesting, just like, er, his whole situation was really interesting, not right. having an agent involved, Um you're, you're trying to convince him not only is this the place to be, uh, well, you are trying to convince him that this is the place to be on top of, you know, the finances of that. And, and signing a guy like OBJ, I mean, I feel like OBJ is one of those receivers that it's like he's going to mesh well with any quarterback in the mm-hmm. league, especially on a veteran quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's so not I, forget, I'm sure him and, oh, him and Lamar will, you know, work really well together. And let's not forget, two weeks before the OBJ signing, Lamar publicly requested a trade on Twitter. So yeah. yeah, so it was it was a lot of just trying to keep that guy happy. In addition to, because I there was a report where I think he wanted one of Hopkins or OBJ essentially. Um, yeah, and they they just kind of felt like the route you know versus having to trade capital for Hopkins, that just signing OBJ outright in free agency was a better uh, you know option for them. So um, yeah, a little bit of nuance, obviously, kind of with that signing, but I do think overall that he has potentially to have the the biggest impact over um, out of their offseason additions so far. Awesome, I love it. Um, so here I have a two-part one with the Ravens. Um, one is a really safe one, which is probably like the no-brainer, which I'm sure is why you didn't bring it up, is the obviously the Lamar extension. Right. I mean, that was huge. That was a very messy situation. 
Uh, I'm sure for you as a Ravens fan, it probably got scary at times thinking like, what does life look like if Lamar doesn't return? Mm -hmm. That's obviously huge. Hence, this is why I make it a two-parter because that feels like the obvious. Mine is the Zay Flowers draft pick. Um, I talked about er earlier in the podcast, Zay Flowers was my number two ranked uh, wide receiver in this draft. I'm a huge fan of his. I'm not worried at all about him coming from a smaller school. I'm not worried about the age. I know there's a lot. Um, a lot of things that people would look at and kind of, you know, use as a knock on him. Mm -hmm. I think as a route runner, he's fantastic. I think he is extremely shifty. His ability just to like change direction on the fly is incredible. And I think we saw that on the touchdown catch earlier today in the preseason game. Um, I think with OBJ, obviously being older, um, OBJ being older and coming off in a, of, you know, the major injury, which we've kind of seen with some receivers, it takes some time to recover from. Um, Bateman kind of like not being able to stay healthy, not really being able to consistently be on the field. I think Zay Flowers could be a guy that has an immediate impact. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's outside of Mark Andrews, the second most targeted guy in that offense. So yeah. I'm a big fan. Um, I think it's a perfect fit, especially when you do add a guy like OBJ and, um, at least for year one, Zay Flowers can work exclusively out of the slot if needed. Um, I, I love that draft pick. It was one of my favorite first-round picks, so I'm going with Zay Flowers. Yeah, much added speed to the offense as well. I think the, the Ravens team was pretty sluggish offensively, um, particularly last year. You saw kind of they, what they were trying to do uh, with patching together aging running backs where they had Le'Veon Bell in. They had um, just a host of just older guys, and so I think that – trying to shift more towards adding more speed, a little bit more versatility, someone who you can kind of move around as well on the line in pre-snap. Um, I think he does open up a lot of possibilities. And like you said, even if they just exclusively use him as a slot receiver too, um, you're still going to open up the field quite a bit for your other guys. And you still have Mark Andrews there as well. So I, I do think, you know, I, I'm with you there. He has a lot of potential to have an immediate impact year one. Absolutely. Absolutely. I really like overall what the Ravens did just this off season. I feel like, um, out of the AFC North, I feel like they were the winners. Um, I just feel like, I mean, I talked about earlier in the uh, podcast as well, like signing Davian Clowney, even though it's not like this big move. Like, mm -hmm. it's just that, like, willingness to continuously improve and add talent. I mean, I feel like as long as they can stay healthy, which obviously we know Marlon Humphrey is going to be out for a few weeks already, which is, is kind of a blow. Um they can, and I'm like looking, someone rushed for a pretty long game. Oh, Keaton Mitchell. Um, but I, I think they're going to, I think they're going to be good. I think they have what it takes to finally maybe get back to where they were when Lamar had his MVP season. Um, pending, of course, they, they've been a team that it feels like has been ridiculed with injuries over the last few years. Right. Um, but I think if they can get like a, a safe health, I think they're going to be really, really good this season. For sure. I, the secondary uh, does scare me, obviously, especially with Marlon Humphrey's injury. Um, they did get Rocky Sin from um, Oakland or from Vegas now, rather, um, yeah. who, who I did like to slot in. Obviously, he's going to have to kind of replace some of those, um, you know, cornerback one reps now that with Marlon missing us a little bit of time. And then the pass rush is my other slight concern. It's slightly a bit of unexperienced. Um, they're relying a lot on David Ojabo, who didn't play last yeah. year because of his rookie injury. Um and, you know, obviously they lost as well Justin Houston, who I believe went to Indianapolis, if I'm not mistaken. So you're hoping Jadavian Clowney can kind of take over some of those reps as kind of the veteran pass rusher. Um, so those would be kind of my main two concerns. Uh, but offensively, this is probably the most positive I felt about this team in, in a long, long time. So 
Oh, for sure. I don't blame you. Um, but let's shift over now. Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, where are you at with them? What's your favorite offseason move that they've made? So with Pittsburgh, um, I don't know if there's one particular move. I know this might sound a bit of a cop-out answer. I don't know if there's one specific move that I did like. Um, I thought their draft was actually good overall. Um, obviously, I probably brought up Jones is going to be the highlight of that. Um, in terms of free agent acquisitions, there wasn't one guy that particularly kind of blew me out of the water. Um, what I would say around with this team is I'm just always going to have a certain level of respect for them as long as they have Mike Tomlin there. Um, the infrastructure they have around, I actually didn't think Kenny Pickett was as bad as some people kind of slated last year. And I don't think he's necessarily you know, the quarterback there for the next 10, 15 years. Uh, but I do think that you can win some games with him. Um, so they're, they're one of the teams that I kind of look at and I could see them competing for a slot in the playoffs kind of late, um, you know, late December going into January. Uh, but I also wouldn't be massively surprised if they're just kind of hovering around 500 as well. Um, in that time piece, it's really just going to kind of depend on how the schedule kind of shapes out for them. Um, if they have any major injuries to their guys, um, and how well, how well that offense is going to be able to mesh as well, um, with the second year quarterback, you would hope he's able to make some improvements. So, um, I guess, like I said, um, Probably, probably the draft pick would probably be my favorite one that they've had so far. Getting a little bit of more cornerback help, but um, there wasn't any one acquisition that kind of stood out for me for for Pittsburgh this offseason. Yeah, and what where you said with uh with the draft, I mean, I had them ranked as a top five draft. Yeah, I don't really think they did enough. Um, there's nothing really that I love that they did in free agency. However, the draft, I mean. My top choice would be uh, drafting Broderick Jones. I know they mm-hmm. traded up with the uh, with the Patriots to move up to 14. Um, the, their offensive line, really, the last two years has been really, really poor. So mm-hmm. uh, going up and, and getting some improvements there, that's my top guy. But just to kind of, like, give some, like, further uh, further explanation of just how much I love this draft. Like, Joey Porter Jr. at 32, starts mm-hmm. the second round, was a fantastic pick. Uh, they beef up the interior defensive line later with Canoe uh, Benton. They get a steal in Darnell Washington, who, even though you have uh, Pat Fryermuth, uh, Darnell Washington's a perfect number two tight end. I mean, mm-hmm. primarily um, a guy who's going to play in line as a blocker, but also just like a physical freak who um, probably is going to end up being the best number two tight end in the league. Just, I mean, I know there are some concerns over a knee injury, but I mean, I'll take the third round, uh, the third round talent every day. Um, Nick Herbig out of Wisconsin. That was their fourth round edge rusher. He's getting a lot of buzz in camp. And then Corey Trice in the seventh, who is a guy who I had a fourth round grade on. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, they just killed their draft. Um, to what you said, I, I do think they're a team that kind of hovers around 500. I think just because of how talented the AFC is this year, I can't see them as a playoff team unless multiple teams suffer major injuries. Um, but they're probably a team that's always going to be a tough defeat. I mean, they, they're talented. I think Kenny Pickett is a fine quarterback. I think he's a guy – he kind of feels similar in a way, like a more athletic Mac Jones. Obviously, their play style is very different, but more so in like the public perception, like – you know you can kind of float around, mm-hmm. maybe uh, scoot in as like a wild card team just, with that. The general production, right, right. Yeah, but in terms of like taking that next step and becoming a championship caliber team, I don't think you have that with Kenny Pickett under center. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of those guys where maybe five years down the line, you're like, you're at a standstill and you're like, 
do we move forward with this guy or do we need to make the cut the tough decision have a rookie come behind him and kind of what that you saw um what you might see with like a Baker Mayfield or like a Sam Darnold where maybe not to that extent where that quarterback was you know the ultimate bust status maybe kind of in that um more like how people view Ryan Tannehill is like, right. you, you know, you have to, uh, if you want to get to the next level, you, you need an improvement at the position. So, um, so yeah. But, all right. Let's go. Let's round out the AFC North. Let's go with the Cleveland Browns. Um, couple ones that I actually really liked a lot of what Cleveland did this off season, contrary to what I've seen. Um, I've seen, they've had a great, things. great off season. I do. I, I agree with that as well. Um, I, I love Dalvin Tomlinson getting him over um, from Minnesota defensive tackle. I think that was a great pickup from them as well. I also thought they had a sneaky good draft. Um, I didn't think I didn't think that they necessarily uh, missed on any of their picks. I thought they all had good value in terms of where they were selected um, in relation to where the actual pick was. I think this team could be sneaky competitive. Um, I think a lot of it obviously is going to rely on what Deshaun Watson we get next year. Um, if we're able to get the guy who we saw more in Houston, who was able to control games, who was able to lead his team to the postseason multiple times, um, was running around, making plays with both his legs and his arms, or if he was more the quarterback that we saw last year where he seemed a little bit more disheveled. Um, he, he played very poorly anytime he had any sort of pressure in his face. Um, obviously, that offensive line is going to have to hold up a little bit better this, this season as well than he did last year. Um, so I, I think that that's the main X factor for them, which I know might sound a bit of a cop out because we're talking about the quarterback position for them. But um, we, it really was a drastic, completely drastic player that we saw from what we saw in Houston versus what we saw with him last year in Cleveland. Um, so if we're able to get a, if we're able to see a little bit more production out of Deshaun um, going into the season, I actually do think that this team is talented enough. Um, I like their defensive line a lot, obviously headlined by Miles Garrett. Um, they do still have some weapons out, uh, on the outside at receiver as well. Um, so I, th I think this team has potential to be competitive. Like I said, it's just really going to depend on what Deshaun Watson we see this season. Yeah, I agree. I think to me, I, I and I should have start, led with this. I think the AFC North is probably the most talented division in football. I know some people are going to lean towards the AFC East mm -hmm. with Rodgers over there. I know people might say the NFC East being they had three playoff teams. I think it's the AFC North. Um, I think all four teams are at least playoff contenders at the very least. Um, and I think really the team that is kind of a uh, an indictment of just how good this division is, is the Browns. Because, I mean, mm -hmm. they could be a Super Bowl contender. They could completely, you know, Deshaun Watson can never return to form and mm -hmm. they fall apart. Um, in terms of one in particular move first that I love, my favorite was trading for Elijah Moore. Um, I have been the head of the Elijah Moore fan club since he got drafted by the Jets. I will continue to say that the Jets wide receiver core got worse by trading him. Mm -hmm. I think the what the, the Browns were able to do to basically trade um, to trade a second round pick just to move back to the third and get a lot like I thought Elijah Moore was better than any wide receiver that would have been available in the second round. And furthermore, they traded back, and I don't know if this was the exact – I don't think this was the exact pick that they received in that trade. They were still able to get Cedric Tillman in the third round, who, right. in my opinion, was a second-round um, second round receiver. Mm -hmm. So they were able to get a guy who they would have been able to – who wouldn't have been a bad pick in the second round anyways, and get Elijah Moore, who is an, an instant upgrade at wide receiver, too. I mean, I think – 
the public perception of Elijah Moore is probably low because of the way things ended with the Jets. He, you know, was frustrated. He wanted more production. And I think people also keep forgetting, like, I get it. Like, it's a team sport. You want to be happy. I know Elijah Moore was kind of frustrated when the Jets were winning. I think people forget, though, when it comes to the NFL. If you don't produce, you do not get paid. Um, there is a lot of money that uh, <laughs> that is at stake. And for Elijah Moore, obviously, you want to be able to produce to get that your second contract and whatnot. So, um, so I love those. Fan. I love those high upside guys who are especially basically waiting on a payday um because mm-hmm. you always you always feel like you're that last year you're going to get the, the best out of them um i think we're seeing a lot of the same thing too even with the jonathan jonathan taylor news it looks like indianapolis is going to try to move on from him whatever team trades for him they're going to get the best version of him because they know that when this year is up he's going to try to get paid he's, he's going to yeah. want to get that big contract at the end of the year um so i i honestly feel the same exact way with this one as well um it's I always I don't think there's any downside towards it if it really makes sense with the Elijah Moore trade. I think oh no, not at talent. all. We really saw the talent pop, um, particularly coming out of college. I think that Jets team just was a bit of a disaster towards the end of last year, where you saw the players were happy that their starting quarterback was basically demoted uh, in yeah. Zach Wilson. So um, I, I think I think it's a fresh start for him coming into a new offense. Um, hopefully, like we said earlier, if Deshaun Watson can find some form. Um, get himself some rhythm with him. Um, that that could be that could be a really really good pickup for them as well. That that ends up panning out. So um, I'm definitely on board. Absolutely, absolutely. I know we spent a lot of time on the AFC North. Want to try and move a little bit quicker on the NFC North. Um, so let's go ahead and we'll do a prediction after we we cover both. Um, jumping over to the NFC North, Minnesota Vikings. Your favorite move. Um. Probably the easiest one. I'm going to be honest. It's probably I haven't liked a lot of what they did um, this offseason, but the drafting of Jordan Addison, I think, would probably be the best one that you've seen so far. I just think they've lost so much talent um, on both sides of the ball. Obviously, starting off with um, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen's obviously gone on to Carolina as well. Um, you talk about on defense, um, Eric Hendricks leaving, um, Zadarius Smith, who I've, I've always loved uh, since he played for Baltimore too. Um, just a lot of veteran presence leaving that locker room. Um, Adam Thielen's obviously a Minnesota boy. He's played for the Vikings his entire career. Um, so it, it does scare me that you're losing kind of some of the safety blankets, some of your defensive leaders as well. Um, I like the pickup of Addison. It's a compliment Justin Jefferson. I think that, that could be a nice little one-two. Uh, but outside of that, I have a lot of fears um, of what this team's going to be looking like going into this season with some of the talent that they've lost already. Yeah, no, and I agree. I, my favorite move is also Addison. I just think it's the one move where there felt like there was some type of direction. I, I mean, obviously, I think uh, a young Jordan Addison's an upgrade over an older Adam Thielen. But I mean, defensively down the stretch, that defense was the worst in football. And I don't think they did much to really improve it. Um, I feel like if there's a team that feels destined for a regression this year, it is the Minnesota Vikings just because um they didn't do enough on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball to really feel good about them um so yeah i also th- i also think it's unlikely that we're going to get as good of a kirk cousin season as we did last year where you know 15 14 weeks in he's in mvp discussions and i i just i just can't anticipate that being the case this year especially with how i think the rest of this division is going to pan out um which i'm sure we'll talk about here in a couple seconds but um i i think they're the biggest team in terms of where they were last year um, you talk about a win-loss differential. I think they have potential to be one of the biggest um, downsides from how many games they won last year to how many they're going to win this year. So, yeah, I, I agree. Um, not that I want to give a spoiler for who I'm going to pick for the division, but 
Yeah, I agree. But all right, let's go over uh, to the Detroit Lions, who just missed out on the playoffs. Yeah, um, they the, the draft team of Jameer Gibbs. I'm I'm, I'm now I'm going to be honest. I'm partially biased because I did draft him in the first round of our fantasy league, <laughs> so, so that could be why that he's my pick. But um, I just love it. I th- he, I think he's incredibly explosive. Uh, maybe not necessarily a three down back, um, just quite yet. Obviously, with the size, um, might be a little bit limited in that in that case, but. I think when you talk about a guy who I think is going to have the potential to be able to cast, catch passes out, um, catch passes out of the backfield. Um, he's super shifty, really, really quick as well on his feet. Um, I think he's going to add another dynamic to that offense. Um, I like Jared Goff probably more than the conventional NFL fan. Um, I do think you can win with him. Uh, obviously, we've seen him, you know, lead a team to a Super Bowl. Obviously, in, um, with at Los Angeles, I thought he had a solid season last year as well. Um, so this is a team that I, that I do like um, now defensively I'm still slightly concerned what they're going to be looking like going forward in terms of for the course of the entire season um, and they do still have more to prove in terms of for their receiving talent as well uh, but I do think this is going to be a team that's going to be competitive throughout um, I like their coaching staff I kind of like the direction they're going in as well um, but yeah I would probably have to say Jameer Gibbs would be my favorite addition that I've seen so far then um, like I said I am partially biased because I did draft him in fantasy but I, I will take that on the chin <laughs> and that and that's fair sometimes the uh, the fantasy bias um uh, does sneak in um, not to completely uh, pour on the parade of Jameer Gibbs. So I hated the pick of Jameer Gibbs. Really? Really? And okay. I, I like Jameer Gibbs as a player. Um, I am now I've joined the group of the running backs. Don't matter committee. Um, I, I'm a chairman on that group now <laughs> in all seriousness though. I just don't think that a running back should be taken in the first round, unless it's going to be the end of a first round with a team with very minimal um, needs. And even that, I feel like it has to be a special back. And when I'm talking special, I'm talking like a Bajon Robinson. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I, I dislike Jameer Gibbs. I just at 12 overall, I feel like the line still had way too many needs to go there. Um, like the player just don't like the value that they got um, mm-hmm. for Jameer Gibbs. So I was kind of like iffy on the Lions draft because I didn't care for the Jameer Gibbs, um, just the value of the pick at 12. I also didn't care for the value of Jack Campbell at 18. I felt like they had two first-round picks, and they picked two of the uh, most valued positions probably in football, being running back and off-the-ball linebacker. Not, not to say anything about these players, more so just like what you could have – value for the pick right it's it's not a knock on their talent or on their potential upside it's just if those are truly the guys that you were there for you feel like you probably could have done better value wise those are guys that you could have potentially even seen slip into the midway to the second round as well when they used first round picks on both of them so i'm I'm on board with them i'm i'm kind of more so just betting on the talent itself for Um, sure i think i think that you'll see that kind of um come out but like i said earlier my main my main main concern is just with this defense particular with how the one and six start, how they started off last year. They added a little bit of help. Um, CJ Gardner Johnson helping out a corner. They got some other vets there as well. But um, I, I think, I, I do think that that'll be kind of my main concern for the Lions going forward into this season. Yeah, I agree. I do think defensively, they, they started to get better um, as a run defense. I think mm-hmm. the secondary is still like um, some concern. Although I will say my favorite move they made this offseason was actually. And I guess maybe you could swap this out with where they picked Jack uh, Jack Campbell was getting Brian Branch in the second round. Right. I thought he was a first round uh, player, mm-hmm. um, probably like early twenties is where I expected him to go the latest. And they get him at forty five. And I mean, he looks the part. I think he's one of those guys that are going to seamlessly come in. He could play in the box. Uh, good coverage guy. And 
I feel like safety is one of those positions where like not every team values the position, but when you have a really good safety, it makes such a difference. It's night and day. Um, I mean, you guys probably see it as a Ravens fan, just with the expectations of Kyle Hamilton. Obviously, right. he fell, you know, last year in the draft. And they, not to mention, they paid a bunch for Marcus um, uh, Marcus Williams as well, coming over from New Orleans. So, yeah, they, yeah. they definitely invested a lot in the safety tandem there, too. Yeah. So, and over here now in Detroit, you got CJ, uh, CJ Chauncey, Gardner. Yeah. CJ you Gardner. Know who I'm referring yeah. to. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Long name. Um, but I like the Brian Branch pick mainly. I'm, I'm a value guy when it comes to the draft. I think they just simply went best player available at 45. Um, you get a stud of a defensive player. Those uh, that secondary in Alabama it, it tends to always be pretty great. Um, and I feel like for a team that doesn't have much direction and what the defense is going to look like, I don't think they really have one um, position group on defense where I'm like, that is the position group that's really good there. Um, I mean, now they do. I think the safety room is safety really, really, is really good. good yeah. um, I think now that you get a guy like Brian Branch, you have a guy that kind of stands out, can play in the box, in coverage. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the pick compared to everything else that they've done. I, I think what they did day two in the draft, getting Sam Laporta, Brian Branch, mm-hmm. even I know some people are iffy about Hendon Hooker. I do think um, it gives you a little bit of youth at the quarterback position if you decide to move on from Jared Goff. I do end up liking what they did in day two versus day one. Day one, right. Um, but Brian Branch, my favorite, personally. For sure. Let's go over to the team who has lost their franchise quarterback, uh, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, funny enough, probably the team that I've, despite losing a Hall of Fame quarterback that I've I've loved a lot of, of how they just kind of look at the moment, um, a lot of what they've done. Obviously, a lot of this is going to depend on if Jordan Love is really that guy, if he's good enough to be able to be a starting caliber quarterback. Um, I've liked a lot of what I've seen from him throughout preseason so far. Um, he's been able to complete passes. Um, a lot of the hype around him throughout camp is that he looks really good. Um, you've read a lot of good stories regarding him as well. Um, so I've, I've been a big fan um, of him. That offensive line, I actually think, has potential to be one of the better units that we've seen so far um in football this season um so I, I do like what they have and then obviously the with the wide receiver tandem um christian watson um i love romeo dobbs as well they got last year um so i do think there is a lot of talent around jordan love to make this thing work obviously you've still got aaron jones in the backfield got aj Dillon there as well as a complimentary piece um they, they've just got a lot of talent um and then defensively i think they have something like eight or nine first round picks on that on the defensive side of the ball as well um, so I think there's a team that has a lot of potential to, to do well this season. Um, I'm, I'm pretty high on them, despite the fact that they are losing Aaron Rodgers. Um, I just think what they've been able to do as a collective and some of the talent they've already got there. Um, I, I've got I've got some big expectations for them this year. So I'm not going to lie to you. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one who's like in on them this year, because I, I also really like what they've done. It feels like Aaron Rodgers left and uh, and. I don't want to say they stepped it up, but they had the, they especially had the draft capital to make some upgrades that were needed. Um, it obviously it's all going to lie in the hands of Jordan love and kind of how he can, how he can drive the ship. Um, but I, I do like what they've done. I also don't mind some of the guys they let go, like a guy like Alan Lazard. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't a fan of the signing for the jets. <laughs> I think it was actually the smart move. Um, just trying to keep Aaron happy. It seemed like one of those, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I, I I can talk about it when I talk about the jets. I, 
I don't want to tear them apart on an AFC NFC North <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> Um, but from a, from a draft perspective, yeah, I really like what they did. My favorite move that they made this off season was drafting Jaden Reed out of Michigan state. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was one of the few people that was really big on him through the draft process. I didn't quite have him as high on my board. I did think he was a third round pick, um, third round value. However, I really like the player and I think with wide receiver, especially we've seen like they can really just fly off the boards um i mean we saw in 2020 uh the 2022 draft where you know by pick 16 Jahan dotson went uh, probably a full round early and then um and then if you needed a wide receiver you were kind of stuck so i really like Jaden reed i've seen some comps of him to antonio brown obviously will he become antonio brown probably not um but i really like the player i really like the receiver core that they built with christian watson Jaden yep. reed and romeo dobbs i feel like they're very complete um you know Jaden reed's a guy who can uh play the slot very shifty um really can play anywhere you need then you got christian watson who is really your your field stretcher an explosive guy a downfield threat and then romeo dobbs is kind of like that 50 50 uh ball catcher they got a guy that can do everything um and they're they're all really really young uh you know with dobbs and uh christian watson being in now year two Jaden reed in um in year one add on to that they also draft a guy luke musgrave who is the um a perfect example of that one as well of a high potential Pick, obviously a guy who dealt with a lot of injuries over at Oregon State. Um, but when, when he was on the field, he was a f- major factor. Um, so I real I agree. I really like what they did. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily ready. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they're a playoff team. I don't know if they're going to be a team that's going to come January really compete. But it, for a young team, I really like the direction they're taking. I think a guy like Jordan Reed really helps. I think it's really important as well when you do have a, uh, an inexperienced quarterback like they're going to have with Jordan Love um, behind center this year that you want to have complementary pieces. You want to have guys who are going to have the ability to help him out as much as he helps them. Um, you touched on earlier having three different kind of profile type players at receiver. Um, you know, his backfield, we stated earlier, I think is really, really good between both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. So I do think that they have a lot of talent surrounding him. Um, to make it work. And obviously with that offensive line, which I, like I said earlier, I think has potential to be one of the better units in, in football this year. Um, I, I do think they have a lot of talent um, on both sides of the ball to be, to be competitive. And, you know, it's really just going to see if, if Jordan love is really, is really going to have the ability to take that next step and, um, and lead this team and become a franchise quarterback from, and, you know, lead them into the postseason. But um, I'm, I'm with you. I, I like a lot of what they did this year. And, and I do like the look of this team as well. Absolutely. And I don't want this to come off as a hot take that I'm just fishing for a hot take to fish for one. Um, I think I like the makeup of this Packers offense more than I like the makeup of the new Jets offense. I think I'm not and I'm not obviously with the Jets, you get Garrett Wilson. So that kind of like right. that's a wash. Obviously, there there's not that level of player. Um in green bay currently but i think they they have a guy who can really do it all on offense in green bay from the wide receiver core from the running back room you have your downhill uh bruiser in aj Dillon, and then you have a really good pass catcher um in aaron jones and a guy who's really great between the tackles you get a high potential tight end which is really if you look at the types of teams that have been successful in late january have been the 
I mean, you look at last year, Eagles have Dallas Goddard, 49ers have George Kittle, um, Chiefs have Travis Kelsey. Really, the only team who don't have a star tight end out of that four is the Bengals. It it's a recipe that teams I think are starting to pick up that like when you have a an advantage at tight end, um, you can make life a living hell for the opposing defense. Right. But I don't want to complete I, not that I think that the the Jets or that the Packers offense will be better. I just like the makeup of it better. I just think it it's more complete, whereas um and not to just compare and trash Rogers new home. Um I think <laughs> if if Aaron Rodgers was still on the Packers, I wouldn't be surprised if that offense actually was better and more efficient in Green Bay than it will be in New York. Mainly, I, I don't like some of the moves that New York made in terms of just going out and getting older receivers. And um, I, I, I like I, I don't really care for Alan Lazard. Don't really care for going just getting Aaron Rodgers buddies just for the sake of making him happy. Um, I think what Green Bay was able to do without Rodgers there anymore actually ended up being probably the best best draft they've had in years. Right, right. And you do find yourself in trouble sometimes, too, if you're trying to um, acquiesce and build a team, you know, based off of trying to make one player happy. Um, so I do agree with that in terms of with Rodgers and the Jets. Um, I think the complementary fit, like I said earlier, with between the receivers – the different types of profiles that they have in players. I could see, I could definitely see an argument for, for liking kind of the overall makeup um, of this Packers offense and, and the potential of it as well. Cause they're all so young. This um, specifically with the receiver core, obviously with Jordan love behind the sticks as well. Um, so I, I think it has a high ceiling to, to really blossom this year as well with all the guys that they have. For sure. For sure. Um, and now to round it out really with probably the most exciting off season, the Chicago bears. <laughs> Yeah, and a, a lot of – I think they needed a lot, obviously, from last year. Um, we did get to see some flashes um, with Justin Fields. A lot of people were kind of questioning of that pick and kind of if he was truly a guy that um, that could lead a team. Um, I think some of those questions might still be there, but I do think that Chicago have positioned themselves much better to give them some more talent. Um, we talk about the acquisition of DJ Moore coming over from Carolina. That was a big one. Um, for me, though, I think – um, drafting both Darnell Wright um, and then signing Nate Davis, helping out the offensive line, which was the main Achilles heel for this team last year. Um, I, I think those are both huge um, acquisitions for them. Um, Chase Claypool, I know he's kind of um, a bit of a figure, depending on who you ask. Um, but um, I think they've done a lot to kind of just surround Justin with more talent um, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but I would have to go with probably the acquisitions of Darnell Wright and, and obviously getting Nate Davis over in free agency as well, because that offensive line was just putrid last year. Um, so I do think that those those are two guys who can come in immediately and and um, kind of, you know, be be instant impact guys day one. I love it. I love it. And yeah, I agree. I mean, it, sometimes with these younger quarterbacks, it's really hard to evaluate them when they just have. I mean, the Bears offensive line is a bottom three unit in football last year. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that Justin Fields to maybe the naked eye to some fans, they would look at him as a star. Obviously he has so much more progression, um, but he did, all, I, I, he will do, he did a lot with a little. Um, I think the bears with what they've done this off season at the very least put themselves in a situation where they have given Justin Fields more than enough help on the offensive side of the ball to have success. Now you can see what type of quarterback Justin Fields really is. Is he going to be your franchise guy or, is this a guy you have to move on from? I think he's going to end up panning out. I think he ends up having a really big season. Um, 
we've kind of seen it where you get um, these uh, these like third, fourth year quarterbacks. They get they finally get a number one and they just take off. Obviously, Jalen Hurts with AJ Brown. Um, you saw it with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. Two um, of every kill. Yep. Yeah, it, it happens so often, and I'm a huge fan of DJ Moore. So DJ Moore uh, is my pick. Um, and really just the whole way that they traded the first overall pick. I mean, to get, um, to still stay within the top 10, to get DJ Moore, to get a 2024, um, first round pick out of the Carolina Panthers, which could be a very early pick and a really, at least, um, a very, uh, top loaded draft next year, mm-hmm. um, I, I think just that whole move in general was a fantastic move. And to walk, I was shocked the Panthers did it, to be honest, uh, to, to move DJ Moore in that trade. Um, but I, I'm a huge DJ Moore guy. I think he is one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. Um, I, I think he's a guy who can play all over the field. He, he's just so versatile. And I feel like he doesn't get enough credit because he's the quarterback play has just been atrocious in Carolina. I mean, he's gone through the Panther version of Baker Mayfield and um, too well. I, I can't even think of the quarterback. Sam Darnold as well. Yeah. This, yeah. It's, it's been an ongoing carousel of, of quarterbacks there. So it's, it's definitely, you try to position yourself. He's going to get, he's going to go in day one. Justin Fields is the guy. He knows that he can try to build a little bit more of rapport with him. Um, and he's not going to be have to constantly think about, oh, who's going to be throwing passes to me next week? Or, you know, is, is my starting quarterback going to get benched? Um, so I do think you bring in a little bit of more level of um, just consistency and just, I think, comfort that he'll be able to build with Justin Fields in the long term as well. So um, I loved it. And obviously you spoke on it earlier. Any, I'm, I'm a huge fan of draft manipulation. If you're able to flip picks into future assets um, and still get the player that, that you were eyeing kind of all along. Um, I'm always a huge fan of that. Um, and with Carolina, I'm, I'm with you. I'm surprised they were willing to let him go as well, you know, considering that um, they were going after Bryce Young and they did take a rookie quarterback. You would think that you would want to have, um, you know, get, have him have a talented number one receiver um, to kind of pair and go alongside him. But uh, I, I think Chicago did really well um, being able to pry him out of that deal as well, in addition to the picks that they got as well, obviously. Yeah, 100 um, percent. I, I talked about in last week's podcast episode. I love uh, the Arizona Cardinals did in a similar situation where they traded from three to 12 and then moved up from 12 to six, Back basically up, got right. a first round pick to go get the guy that they were going to get at three. Right. Um, anytime you can make moves like that, I mean, you're you're a winner in my book. So I didn't love everything Chicago did, um, especially in the draft. I did like Darnell Wright probably a little early. I probably would have went Broderick Jones instead, but I, I do like the player. Um, I do think the defensive line for Chicago is a major issue. Mm-hmm. So while I do feel good moving forward about the Chicago Bears offense, um, I feel I don't feel great about what they're going to be able to do on defense. I still think that defense is really, really bad. Um, I, I don't. I think the offense could take the step of maybe not to the level of like the Dolphins last year, but I, I could see them becoming one of the better units in football. While the Bears as a whole still aren't that great due to just the lack of talent on the defensive side of the ball. And I, I do think you're going to have see a lot of potential as well for um, a system change. I think there's a lot of possibility for them to transition maybe into more of a three, four technique now with the additions of, you know, Tremaine Edmonds. Um, they got TJ Edwards as well. Some kind of more outside linebackers. Um, they're leading um, 
blitzer last year and, and leader in sacks was uh, Jaquan Brisker, who was a safety. Um, so they're not scared to move up, you know, guys into the secondary to play closer to the box as well. Um, they do like to blitz from guys more in the secondary. So obviously if your defensive line's not able to quite bring as much pressure, um, that'll be another way that, you know, that you can kind of manipulate, um, you know, a pass rush too is by bringing guys up from the secondary. So um, I think there is p potential for the defensive unit to be better, but I I'm with you. I still think that, um, there is maybe a little bit of an overall talent deficit um, on the defensive side of the ball, just generally speaking. Um, and if this team is going to have any success or, you know, try to make a run at making the postseason, it's it's going to be definitely led by by the by whatever the offense is able to take care of. So uh, but but I do like some of what they've done. Um, obviously, when you're as bad as you were last year, there's the team's going to be full of holes. and There's going to be a lot of things that you need to fix up. Um, and it's really hard to do everything in one offseason. Uh, but I do I do like some of what they've kind of prioritized. Um, and I think the main thing is you want to figure out whether or not Justin Fields is really the guy going forward. Um, and if you're able to do whatever you can to help him out with both adding, um, you know, giving him some better protection in the offensive line, um, giving him some better weapons to throw to. Um, I think, I think you've definitely, you know, hit a home run on that, at least on that end. I agree. I agree. I, th I think if you were to classify what a successful bear season looks like, it's, if you know Justin Fields is the guy coming out of the 2023 season, regardless of what the record is, I think you're in good shape, especially with the um, the additional draft picks they have in 2024. I think you could feel pretty good about the team moving forward. For sure. Absolutely. All right, Gabe, before I let you go, uh, we need your prediction. Let's start with the NFC North. Who do you got winning it? Oh, man. I... I'm I'm just gonna I honestly I'm gonna I'm still gonna go with Green Bay. I know it's a big big Or the AFC North. Oh we're we'll going AFC North first. Okay. Uh Cincinnati, I still think they're gonna probably win the division. Um my main concern, I think it seems like Joe Burrow it, there's a possibility he might miss the opening couple of weeks. They've been very vague, kind of just kind of talking about what the injury has. Um I know he hasn't been practicing, he hasn't really been um, you know, playing much in camp. Obviously he hasn't played at all throughout the preseason. Um, so that would be maybe my kind of one concern that I have for this team um, is going to be the health and the status of him if he's able to, you know, play how much time he is going to miss if he does miss any. Um, but I still think if you just look at the overall talent on the team, um, what they've been able to accomplish over the past couple of years, um, I still think that they are probably the safest pick um, to win the division. But I don't think that Baltimore is, is, is too far behind them. Yeah, I would completely agree. Uh, as much as I want to pick Baltimore, I have to lean Cincinnati. I just think they're they're still more complete team. I think defensively, they're very underrated. Mm -hmm. um, I do think when we find out more going, getting closer to the season about the Joe Burrow injury, that can alter how I feel about the Bengals in terms of like a division win. Like we're talking about a month of Joe Burrow missing football. I'm probably leaning the Ravens right? Uh, just because you know, those, those games are so valuable. Um, honestly, and I think the biggest reason why I, I feel so good about the Bengals pending Joe Burrow's health. And maybe this is just me as, as a fantasy football. I, I think Joe, I think the way that we view Justin Jefferson's season last year, I think Jamar Chase can be even better. I think Jamar Chase is probably a better player. I feel like last year he obviously had an injury that held him out for, you know, a good chunk of time. Um, while Justin Jefferson had a massive season, I think Jamar Chase is in for a huge season. Um, and if you get, you know, a full 17 games of Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, along with, you know, a um, the defense that they had last year, I mean, I think you're talking about a legitimate Super Bowl contender, a legit team that can 
um, go back and knock off Kansas City once again. For sure. And like you said, it's really just going to depend on the start for them. Um, you know, if just taking a quick peek at their schedule, they already start off with two division games. They start off with uh, Cleveland and Baltimore. Um, they go off to Los Angeles. I believe that's a Sunday night football game. And then they're at Tennessee um, and then at Arizona, just to kind of give you an idea of what their opening five is going to be. So not not necessarily the easiest schedule. So you definitely help that they could at least try to break even, maybe hit 500 within those first couple of games, if not better. Um, but if we do end up seeing a little bit more of a lengthy absence from Joe Burrow, then I, I would start at that point raising some um, some some flags um, and, and, you know, in terms of what this team where this team is going to finish this season. Absolutely. Now, I know you already kind of teased your NFC North uh, prediction, but I'll let you go ahead and explain why you have the Green Bay Packers winning. So I, for me, I'm, I'm betting on talent. Um, and I think particularly um, on both the offense uh, on the offensive side of the ball, we spoke about at, at length um, kind of the different weapons that they have. Um, I'm putting a lot of faith in Jordan Love. I recognize um, by picking them to win this division. I just think it's a team that um, over the past couple of years that they have just dominated this division. Um, I think there's a certain comfort level and a, and a certain swagger that you carry um, when you have been kind of the man um, in your division for so long, obviously Aaron Rodgers is no longer on that team, but I still think that this is a playoff team. Um, and, you know, they have a lot of talent, particularly, like I said, on the offensive side of the ball, they have, we spoke about, you know, the fact they have eight first rounders um, on defense as well. Um, headlined by Jair, Jair Alexander at corner. Um, I just like a lot of what they've done this off season. Um, I trust the coaching staff. I do think that they are going to be successful. Um, and mainly for me, this is both a bet on green base talent, but I also do see a lot of regression happening for Minnesota, who I think would be the other, um, kind of obvious pick, at least from my standpoint, I don't know kind of who you're going with here in this division, but, um, I think some of the losses that we've seen with Minnesota, I think some of the, just the general regression we're going to see, um, from some of their guys, um, is kind of what's making me lean towards green Bay, um, into towards winning this division this year. Okay. I like it. I like the pick, honestly. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of what they've done. So I, you know, I could understand it as well. I, I don't want to jump on the bandwagon cause I'm not as, I'm not really high on this division as a whole. I think they have a lot mm -hmm. of team. Like, I think all four teams could be like middle of the pack. Um, about however I have to pick one. I do think the Detroit lions do win the division. Um, I think the Packers wow. are maybe a year out from, mm -hmm. um, from getting back on top. I do think I, I and I know this is probably people are going to be like, no, this sounds ridiculous. I do think moving on from Aaron Rodgers, just from like a performance standpoint was the right decision. I think a lot of people kind of last year, you know, put a lot of blame on well the weapons around him. But if you look at the film, like there are a lot of times where like Rodgers just did not have the trust in the receiving core that he had. And that you know, there were plays to be made. Um, but that's besides the point, because that has nothing to do with my pick. I think the Lions just, they have one of the best offensive lines in football. They have one of the best uh, offensive coordinators in football with Ben Johnson. Um, I think they're going to be a team that is really efficient on the ground game. I think Amon Ross St. Brown uh, has another massive season. I, even though I know earlier in the, uh, earlier in the podcast, before you joined, I, I kind of, showed some uh, some worries about Jameson Williams just with the suspension, some injuries. I do think when he when he comes back, he's going to provide um, a little bit more explo uh, some explosiveness to this offense that they really need. Um, 
again, I'm not as some people are really dragging the Detroit Lions hype, but I do like the team. Um, I feel like they're a safe pick. I feel like anytime you have a great offensive line, you're you're pretty much in good shape. Um, I I don't think that division is gonna like I. I like the way that they match up against everyone else in that division. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when you have a really good run game, like they're going to have with Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, um, you can beat anyone on the road. And that was, that was the big issue for them last year is they re- Jared Goff specifically really struggled on the road. His home road slip uh, splits were, I mean, he was a vastly different player on the yeah. road, but when you can rely on the run game, um, I think that's where they can uh, where they can improve. So I'll probably change my pick by the time this season because again, I don't <laughs> love one team in the NFC North. Um, but right now, if there's a team I feel the best about, I'm probably leaning the Detroit Lions. I'm kind of with you in terms of not really loving any one particular team from this division. Um, I do think this is going to be one of those divisions where we might see. I think 10 and seven probably wins it. If I'm being yep. honest with you, um, I, I don't necessarily see any of these teams winning 11, 12, you know, plus games. Um, so I, I, I could definitely see it as well. Um, I think they'll probably be incredibly competitive as well. Um, like I said, I'm just kind of betting on the, on the, just the general talent on both sides of the ball from Green Bay. Um, and defensively, kind of Detroit scares me a little bit. Obviously, I know that they did massively improve um, from the one and six start from last season, but um, I, don't, I don't think it's a bad pick at all. And, and like I said, I'm probably more of a Jared Goff fan than, than, than most people would say in terms of at least if you're a conventional NFL fan. So um, I could definitely see it. And I, I believe they have – I don't know if you're much of a betting man. I think they have the second best odds to win that division at the moment as well right now. So um, I, Yeah, I that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I think the excitement with the lines, it's probably too far. That's why I don't want to like feed into it too much. Um, but I, I – when you have a great offensive line, I mean, I think you 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 always feel pretty good about a team. I mean, Green Bay does as well. I just, for me, I think I'm a little bit more concerned with Green Bay, just the, not knowing what you're going to get out of Jordan Love. Right. Um, I think at this point, at least I can feel comfortable. Like, I know what I'm getting out of Jared Goff. Um, yeah. You know what you're getting out of him. I, I, th- I think he... Uh, when things are great, which, I mean, with the offensive line, his problem with the Rams was... You know, when, when, you know, protection collapsed, he collapsed. Uh, he's not going to have much of an issue with that in Detroit, um, mm-hmm. which is why I feel better about him now. I think if you put him on a team with a, with a weaker offensive line, he's probably going to crumble. But behind that offensive line um, with the, what that run game is going to be like, I, I feel pretty good about him to have a, another pretty good season um, and prob- probably setting himself up nicely to get a uh, extension from the Lions, which I don't think anyone probably expected when that Matthew Stafford trade went trade down. Trade first happened, right, right. And, and you're talking about it would be an incredible story as well if they were able to go on and win it. You know, last division title being in 93. Uh, oh, wow. I didn't even realize it was that long. Nine, yeah, but we're going to be hit the 20 year or 21 year anniversary by the time the season is over. So I was my I was negative six years old the last time they won a division title just to kind of give you an idea um of you know of how how rough it's been in detroit um over the the past couple of decades but um i'm with you i think this team will definitely be competitive um and and i did like some of the additions as well um the running game will definitely hopefully be a huge compliment to him and then um if jameson williams after the suspension if he's able to come back healthy um that'll give um jared goff a nice target as well i always i'm I'm not gonna lie though the one thing that i did hate from what they did last season um was just the trade of tj hawkinson yeah 
trading him within the division as well. I thought I didn't really know how smart of a decision that was. And I feel like if he was a guy that they still have that on the team now, um, just offering another safety blanket for Jared Goff, I would have, I would feel a lot better about this team. Um, and then lastly, just to cap off, just give you a little update. They're actually now the favorites to win this division now to kind of give you some updated odds. So, okay. Uh, so that does not surprise me. Yeah. They've, they've surpassed Minnesota officially now in the, in the, in the betting market. So uh, a lot of people are high on Detroit this year by the looks of it. So I'm, I'm yeah. not surprised at all. Yeah. And I, I agree with the TJ Hawkinson trade. Um, well, the moment it happened, I couldn't understood, uh, understand it. Um, only the net, uh, I think they got a, a two and a three, um, while the the Viking that while the Lions traded back a fourth and a conditional twenty twenty four so two fourths um yeah I I know they got Sam Laporta but however you know if you still have Hawkinson well I guess on the flip side you don't have the second round pick so I won't get too far into right. that but um I but yeah I, I would feel too. better about this offense with a because tight ends always have a learning curve but mm-hmm. having an established tight end um with veteran experience. I just think he needed more involvement in the offense. That was all. I don't think it was necessarily a talent issue more. Mm -hmm. So just Ben Johnson, just not making the offense uh, friendly to get TJ Hawkinson involved. I think in general too, there's a bit of a tight end talent deficiency throughout the league right now, where if you, if you, if you don't outside of really Kelsey Kittle, who's really hurt quite a bit and Andrews, there's a steep drop off after those top three guys, Darren Waller, obviously now is with the New York, but he's kind of had, um, his own issues over the past couple of years. He's also had some issues staying healthy. So um, I think anytime you have someone who's kind of proven at that position, um, you know what you're going to get out of him. I just don't think the value that they got back from him in the trade was worth it, um, especially when you have a quarterback like Jared Goff, who you want him to have as many safety valves as possible. Um, so that, that that one did kind of make me kind of, you know, look sideways a little bit in terms of what, what they got back for him. But, uh, but no, I'm definitely with you. I, I do like the look of this team overall. Um, I'm not surprised that they are the favorites going into the season. So, for sure, for sure. Um, well, Gabe, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. You're more than welcome back anytime, and uh, best of luck to your Ravens uh, this season. I appreciate it, and best of luck to your Cowboys as well, man. I, we're definitely going to need it in this difficult division. So, I think you guys will be good as well, even with Philly there. So, uh, best of luck, my friend. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. To all listening at home, uh, hope you enjoy this. Next week, we're going to be talking about AFC NFC South. And uh, this was Red Zone Talk, so I'll talk to you guys again next week.